Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 25 and 26 of The Great Hunt, Kyrian, and Discord. Enjoy. All right, welcome to season two, episode twelve. Um, we are now officially halfway through the Great Hunt, so yeah, it seems, yeah. It seems like this book's been going faster to me. I don't know if it's just because we're getting the swing of things, or if it's I don't know. What, when you're having you guys... fun, man, time flies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the and the pacing of this book's definitely. I mean, I feel like either world takes a long time to kind of get going, um, whereas. Whereas uh, this book's kind of go, go, go. Yeah, agreed. Um, There's only been one or two chapters that have kind of been slow and not super necessary, but everything else has just been full speed. Sure. Yeah. And that's, and, and I think the, the slow chapters too are the short ones. So mm-hmm. yeah, sounds good. So let me go through a few housekeeping things. Um, I think as of right now, we have no new patrons next last since last week. So that's fine. Occasionally, you know, we don't get them. Um, uh, we'll, we'll have more join eventually. I hope maybe if, yeah. if not, if not, we love the ones that are patrons and we love you guys to death. So uh, keep on um, uh, doing your thing and helping us out because uh, we'll definitely uh, uh, continue to improve things. Um, we just did the giveaway uh, last time. Um, I know Jake from our, actually won a, a, a mug. So that's in the mail on the way or at least been ordered. Um, so I think that's all the giveaways for right now that we're doing. I, I don't think we have any other giveaways coming up. Well, no, probably next month. So October, we'll do another giveaway. Uh, let me just say that right now. <laughs> so, um, right. Um, I did say that we would give a giveaway when we hit a certain a number of downloads. Um, I was going to do 20,000. Um, and I might still do 20,000, but I, I looked at the spreadsheet. And I might do 25,000. I don't know because I'll just go to 50 after that. Um, but we'll see. I still might do 20,000. We're at 18,000 right now. So, yeah, it's eh. moving quick. It's moving pretty fast. So, so do, do something, uh, whether it's just uh, another frosty mug or a t shirt or a, um, or a book. Just another frosty mug. I still haven't gotten uh, my first frosty Oh, yeah. Mug. I, neither have I. So, you know, I don't even have one. Um, I think the only person right now that has them is Rob from the Weekly Wheel News because he makes them. And Delusions because hers came in the mail. So, um, Great job. Delusions. Yeah. So she has one as well. So she posted a picture in chat uh, before we got started. So maybe she'll post it in the in somewhere else. I think she has when she first got it. The unboxing of it so yeah um pretty cool there um followers we're almost 900 followers on twitter so we're almost that big thousand follower number we're getting closer and closer get new followers all the time so looking forward to that milestone not because it means anything besides arbitrary number but a thousand's cool <laughs> so um that'd be cool um and then also for merchandise our merch store is up and running um has been so feel free to check that out um, we, we, we're adding new stuff to it all the time. In fact, we have a new t-shirt design and might put on some other stuff as well that should be coming out very, very soon. So, uh, we'll have another, uh, 
design as well. So there's multiple different things you can pick from. Be our logo or the Pater shirts up already, Team Pater, all that stuff's uh, available. And then we're actually uh, having a floaties, um, uh, floaties t-shirt design, which looks amazing. I've seen some some of the some of the preview of it. It looks really really good. Super so cool. very cool. Yeah. So looking for that, and we're cartoons, which is even cooler. So that could be used for future stuff. Uh, the cartoon design of us. <laughs> so yeah. Um, other new news. Um, I was on the dusty wheel last night. So for you guys listening, not live um, next week, that would have been a week ago. I was on the dusty wheel. So if you haven't checked that out, go to the YouTube channel, dusty wheel, and it's the screenwriting episode number two. Uh, it's the second screenwriting episode they did. Um, was a lot of fun. Uh, it was last minute. I got a, uh, a message from Matt over the Dusty Wheel like an hour before they went live saying, hey, can you come on? Um, and he sends out to a bunch of content creators. And I said, sure, let's do it. So I played Galad in a screen, in a, in a, uh, in a scene from Either World, which was, uh, you know, because I'm so beautiful, you know, Galad's the most beautiful. <laughs> they, they felt bad because I kept calling you Gwen. Yeah. So like, let's, let's hook him up. Or Gawain, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a whole lot of fun. I'm looking forward to hopefully doing some more of those in the future. We talked about it afterwards, uh, um, that, that I think everybody enjoyed them. So we might try to get the, um, screenwriter to do more of that. So the person who actually wrote the script is a professional screenwriter. That's what she does. Um, she works, she's done, uh, shows and all sorts of that, I guess lives in LA or I don't know where she lives, but he is a professional screenwriter. So she adapted, a scene from either world to a TV type script and we acted it up. So yeah, it was pretty cool. A lot of fun. Um, and that's it for like kind of, other, you know, podcast stuff going on. Uh, moving on to personal life, not a lot going on in my world. Um, besides the fact that my daughter just started walking. So that's fun. Um, yeah. our, well, it's a huge, it is, it is. It is it? So if you ever have kids um, when they walk, Soon. it's kind of like, it's a yay moment, but it also is a oh crap moment because that means they're going to get into everything. So it goes from walk to run very fast, like very almost fast. immediately. Yeah. So now That's it's um, so now it's run over to the potted plants and pull the dirt dirt out of all the plants. And you know that that's what it moves to very quickly. <laughs> so it's it's yay, but uh, I have to watch her closely. <laughs> so, not that I didn't watch her closely before. You know what I mean? Uh, you can't take her eyes for like two seconds off of her because she'll just take off. But well, it's fun. Um, other than that, um, not much else going on in my life. Awesome. How, how about you guys? Well, uh, I've had a little bit of craziness, mostly really good. Um, last weekend, I was involved in a little Tom foolery, uh, riding the mini bike and uh, wiped out pretty nasty. I was stupid. I was wearing flip flops and I cut my ankle really bad, had to get some stitches. I mean, my, my ankle looked like a squished Tom Ato. I mean, it was it was pretty rough. Um so the stitches, you know, kind of hard to get around, move my foot. Uh, I was practicing the drums the other day. Couldn't operate the kick pedal, so I was just fiddling around on the tom-toms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of cool things to look forward to. Uh, you know, I'm not super stoked about the NFL season, but uh, this Sunday I do want to watch the Bucks versus the Saints where we get to see Tom Brady 
uh, playing for a new team. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and, and even though you might hate the guy, but he really epitomizes the quarterback position. Uh, so you got to respect that. Uh, and then I just got noticed down in Alabama, they're having a fall turkey season. So I'm going to meet up with a friend and see if I can bag myself a Tom Turkey. Um, so we're planning <laughs> that trip coming up. Uh, what else? Yeah. Started a, yeah. a new series that I'm watching. Uh, I got into Blue Bloods with my dad and his wife. I think they just watch it because they're huge Tom Selleck fans. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting, so I like it. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I, ne- I needed to pick up a new book to read, kind of like on the side because of our pacing. Uh, and I went back to some oldies and uh, book goodies. I'm doing, uh, shoot, what is it? Patriot Games. Uh, who's the guy that writes that? Patriot Tom. Game. Tom Clancy. That's good. Right. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so anyways, a lot of cool things on the horizon for me. I'm very excited. Who knows what Tom Morrow will bring? Uh, <laughs> sure. So yeah. that's, I got that going on. Yeah. Did I add a chicken fucker at the end or something? You know, like, uh. I wasn't even counting. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right. How about you, Chris? Any, any uh, stuff going on in the, in, in the Tom world? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom Morrow, I'll be headed up to Charlotte to uh, visit with my friend Alan, of course, Miss Chanel. Uh, hopefully you're going to enjoy my weekend, but of course I have a million and a half things to do because on Tuesday we started back uh, at school. We started teaching on Tuesday virtually, and let me just say, tomfoolery isn't even the word. <laughs> <laughs> I will be real with you. I like am afraid for tomorrow, to be honest with you, because the kids are going to be half learning and half sleeping the entire, at least half of the year. I can say that out loud because I've already witnessed it and I've only been teaching for three (laughs) days. And you know what? The teachers are kind of in the same boat as the kids where they're trying to figure stuff out. But the worst thing is, is we have to figure out how to teach it while figuring it out in general. So, and then on top of that, you know, part-time job, back in grad school, and trying to make sure I have a healthy relationship, all fun. I know um, Chanel was down with us uh, for the holiday weekend, so we made our way around and visited a few people, got to know some people, or let her learn to know some people. What's the way to put that? I don't know. Anyway, uh, it was really interesting. She got to meet the vast majority of my aunts and uncles. So anyway, that, that was my part of the week as a whole again again chris like kudos on the teaching thing in this environment like it 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 just takes a a special person and you're definitely that special person i mean this isn't a job in this environment where any tom dick or harry can show up and and start (laughs) you know whipping out assignments and stuff so kudos to you yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank awesome. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about prediction. So from last week, we had a few predictions. We had uh, 90 Eve is a badass. We, we, we said that again. That was, an, that was an old one that came back, um, especially with the testing. Um, Egwene and company um, are not going to stay friends. So men, Elaine, Egwene, 
Uh, I think Abe predicted that they're not going to be friends. <laughs> and this is where the elevator came in, so they're not going to be friends. Um, <laughs> and um, Angrials and Saw Angrials and Terra Angrials are a lot like pissing. That was uh, <laughs> <laughs> We found that out last week, too. That was very... Uh, by the way, I love all the diagrams that people have been sending me. Everybody has such their uh, their own take on it all, so I really do appreciate. Yeah, it. yeah. And two then the of, last two of them look like somebody was just bent over and moaning, but <laughs> it was an accurate depiction. So nice. And then the last prediction, which is an old one, I decided to to bring back for some reason for this episode. You guys for a while have been saying that Tom's still alive, so decided just you know to to bring that prediction before we start this episode. Uh, so, you could probably throw that one out. Maybe Tom Morrow. Yeah. Go, ahead, go ahead and throw that one out. I think I'm I finally coming around that it just it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, without further ado, let's just go ahead right into chapter twenty-five, Kyrian. So, this is one of the most hardest words in all of Wheel of Time to pronounce, and I'm going to help you with this because everyone gets it wrong. It's Kyrian, um, even though it looks like. Carheen or Carhine or or Carheen. Yeah, it's Kyrian. <laughs> Where's the K? So yeah, so Chris, you can mess it up all you want. So same with the end. Uh just Thank you. I was hooked on phonics here. Where's the yeah, so... <laughs> The C makes the S sound and then you have the word air. So Ser High N. Ser High N. Kyrian. And you jumble yeah. it together for Kyrian. Yeah. Have and then time. we have a new icon as well. It's a rising sun. So I don't know if you had any thoughts about the icon since it is new. Um, it's different from the white cloak one. The white cloak's a full sun burst. Uh, this is a rising sun, like a half half sun, our setting sun. One of the two, a half sun. Well, it's a it's a brand new bright day, and we find out at the very end of this chapter. I don't want to jump ahead, but the sun is <laughs> definitely rising. Yes, it has beautiful. Maybe tomorrow we'll see a nice sunrise. It's been <laughs> raining here for quite a exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah, it has been. Um, you know, I, I'm wondering whether or not this is like indicative in some way to the game, hmm. the great game. I don't know that it has anything to do with it, but that seems to be a focus of the chapter. Yeah, so that's kind of where my mind a, went. Somewhere it could be a symbol book. of one of the houses, maybe. One of the sigils. I got very yeah. distracted this time, yeah. so all the other details of what happened in these two chapters, I only know one. Uh, so that m- it might have come yeah. up, and maybe, maybe we'll come across it as we go through this. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we both. Yeah. It. So let's get started right into it. So they're heading, and they get a view of the city. So they're coming in. Rand's feeling like the soldiers are kind of more like guards than actually an escort, like He's really getting that vibe that they're just guarding him um, and kind of uncomfortable about it. But we get a description of the city as well. And it's it's laid out like a grid, a very, very neat. And no city we've been to has been like this before. So even we got the Camelin, which is a big city. It was built like into the land and into the hills and like rolling and curves and those kind of things. Whereas this is like a very structured block city and all the towers are equally spaced apart. But all the towers are are broken. Um, and it gets into that later why they're all broken, but they're, you know, it's very square and broken. So, and then all around the city is something called the foregate. So the city itself square. And then basically they explain that, that over time, these people came in from the hills during the Aiel war war. And that's when the towers got broken. And um, basically the poor people that couldn't afford to live in the city, they set up camp all around the city. It basically turned into its own little city around the city called the foregate. 
So thoughts about this whole description of this city and what's your initial thoughts on looking at this? Cause it is a little different. And I know some, sometimes the description gets a little overboard, but I like to, you know, just go through it. Uh, Chris, as I'm reading this, see if you can find this spot. Cause I want to see if you can pronounce this, but it says, uh, peasants, Tablin muttered, staring straight ahead in disgust. Look at them, corrupted by outland ways. They should not be here. Where should they be? Ran asked. The Kyrian officer glared at him and spurred his horse forward, flogging at the crowd with his quirt. Quirt? The quirt? Quirt. Yeah. No, I, I, was, I was focused. Those who ride horses. What is that word? With his quirt. Court? I don't know. I don't. So there's that, but I, I was more. I was stumbling on the carrying and 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 carrying. Yeah, carrying and and Yeah, yeah, yeah. But by book ten, you guys will have it down eventually. It took me forever to get naive, and I took the whole book. So we'll see. Yeah. I really find it interesting how we had 50 Kyrie, Kyrianid soldiers bringing in Rand. Like, I know that we had set that up the last chapter, mm-hmm. but the amount of attention drawn to Rand was done purposely. And I didn't really pay that much attention until we get further into the chapter. I'm like, why would you send him with so many guards? Like, what's the importance of that? Like, he clearly has been like, Writing throughout the entire of the world without anybody but you know Loyal and Piran, and then you send them with fifty guards. What's the purpose? So now I'm trying. I'm seeing how the game is played. I'm very interested in how this played sure. out. Yeah, and so, and I don't think they did it to do Rand a favor. It just happened to do Rand a favor. I mean, if if if, if, if Rand showed up just with his two dudes at the gates, uh, you know, it'd probably be a little bit more awkward, but. I mean, remember how people gossip and everybody talks. So the fact that this crew shows up with a full escort, it's almost, I won't say it's irrelevant who they showed up with. I'm sure that's going to come into play later on. But the fact that they showed up with that type of escort, that's just going to have people talking even more. And it, it kind of gives them a little bit of leverage as, as they go through the town. I see. Now, I think it was a disservice. Because of who they were with or? Because of the amount of people they were with and the amount of tension that it drew. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it could play for... I think it was a slight. Yeah. I guess we'll find out as we go through, but I really think it was a slight to really cause issue for Hmm. Ram. Well, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So... They get a little more description of the four gate because they go through the four gate. It's very poor. People are poor, but they're happy because they pretty much entertain the crap out of these people. And that's it reminds me a lot of how ancient Rome used to kind of quell the masses. Yeah, it said dozens, it said a dozen services and a hundred things for sale wandering through the crowds. Music drifted through the babble for more than one structure. At first ran thought they were in. Signs out front showed all men playing flutes or harps, tumbling and juggling. And large, they were, they had no windows. Like, this reminds me, going even back further, they talk about bars and fruit peddlers and knife sharpeners. It reminds me of the bazaars. Yeah. Like, when I was in India, it really reminded me of the marketplaces that were there. The people definitely looked like they couldn't afford things around them. Mm-hmm. But the amount of conversation, the activity, the fun, the joy, right. you know, 
it brought me right back to my moments in India. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed this part of the chapter. Yeah, and it describes these things that are foreign to Rand, where he sees these like music halls that aren't ends, and usually only ends are places where people perform, but they're th- actually theaters. Um, and that's foreign to Rand because even in Caneland, there wasn't theaters. There was no theater. But here, they actually have entire buildings just just designated for entertainment. Um, so, and then uh, obviously they keep going on. That's where they describe, uh, you know, Rand asks, you know, how will get here? And says, well, after the Ayala War, the farmers moved away from the spot of the world because um, that's where the Ayala and they refused to move back. And they had just stayed. Um, and right about then, a parade goes by and you realize that they have parades all the time, you know, people cheering, lots of happy and entertainment. Um, and they have these little, uh, I guess in the parade, they had what was supposed to be Trollocs as puppets, you know, going by. And they're like, and Rand's like, these guys have never seen tro- a Trolloc before, obviously. <laughs> um, like, this doesn't look like a Trolloc. Yeah, I, I thought that part was funny. I mean, we've had, well, maybe not funny is not the word, but unique. Pretty much everywhere else we've traveled, like, the the Trolloc wasn't a playful thing to joke about. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I guess they've been performing and telling these stories and evolved Trollocs for so long, I guess maybe over time, um, since they haven't had to deal with them in such a long time, it's devolved to one, not being very accurate in how they're depicted, but they just seem depicted in more of a, a joking manner, I guess. Right. And more folk stories. I think a lot of people here don't even believe that Trollocs even exist, that they think that there's something from the past that right. don't exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so they get they get through the four gate and they get to the main gate of the of the city and you have a guy with like a ledger that comes out and wants to take their name and says, "Okay, well, take you take your name. Tell me what you're staying at." He's like, "I don't know. Can you tell me a good a good uh, in the four gate?" And like everybody is like, oh, "Like you can't request an in there. You you know you're supposed to be a lord. You have to stay inside the city." Like and Rand's like, "I don't care. It looks more fun there. Like it looks boring up in the city." <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. And the guy's just like, well, here, I'll give you a few names of some ends in the city, but uh, you have to come back tomorrow and tell me where you're staying so I can write it down my ledger. Um, so interesting, like how they're controlling, like the, ends, the goings and, 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 and it, like going with the Christmas saying all around this game of house, uh, uh, of houses, um, where, where everyone's jostling for position and they're all trying to figure things out. Um, yeah, and and how how good for Rand that he has here and there to kind of stop him from making the huge faux pas. Like I don't I don't think Huron's going to step in too much to tell Rand what to do every step of the way. But you know on the big stuff, even at the gate, like he leans in and kind of hisses at him. He's like, "It definitely would not be proper for you to do this." Da 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 da. Like they'll be sure that you're up to something, and that's you know we have to avoid that sort of thing. So cool cool sure. that we have this experience helping us out a little bit here. And then also one thing to add real fast, because um, our chat's always amazing at coming back and adding things that we talked about like five minutes ago. So Zul went and found what a court is. A court. So Ooh, yeah. a court a court is a riding whip consisting of a short, stout stock and a lash of braided leather. Ah, okay. I thought so. I've used one of those. Uh... Different type of horse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, uh, uh. <laughs> so yeah. So, it, it, what's your whole thoughts, Chris, on this whole thing with the ledger and 
and this whole scene with like the definitely um, this awkward scene with the guy at the gate. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of a um, man. The word just left my mind when they a census almost, mm-hmm. but they, they're trying to collect data, and the, the purpose is why are the questions? Why are you trying to collect data? I know that the main reason is to keep a track or an account of who's coming in and out of the city, but why would that be important? A number is enough. I'm wondering whether or not the they would have bothered to question if Rand hadn't been in lordly attire. And I say that just to the simple fact that um, not every guard was asked for a name, not every person in the party was asked for information. They focused specifically on those with what looked like important. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, again, this goes to the whole idea of the, the great game, whether or not this is like the beginning, like this is your start. Mm-hmm. Like, don't pass until you've given the name. And then once you've given the name, you're entered into the lot. So right. I wonder how much also the guy with the ledger is getting paid and whether or not he was actually supposed to be doing what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we- <laughs> Have a lot of yeah, we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit, but, um, you know, later when Rand starts getting all these invitations, like how do all these different houses know where he's at? They weren't all at the gate. Well, mm-hmm. you know, clearly this, this information's getting fed around. Uh, I'm sure the guy at the gate's getting tipped to share the info of the important people coming and going. And again, like you said, it's most likely all in support of the game. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so and then Rand asks about Celine. Had they seen Celine? Um, uh, kind of describes her, and they're like, "Nope, haven't seen any woman like that. Don't know who you're talking about." So, uh, but if we see her, we'll let you know. Uh, so they, he goes into the city, and and while he's walking through the city, everyone's like overly proper. Everything's neat and tidy. There's no vendors in the city. Like it's not like it is in the four gate. Everything's all very, very structured, neat, proper in its place. Uh, very calm, and everything is obviously days tomorrow. Everything's everything has to deal around this great game. Um, and they finally get to the end called the Defender of the Dragon Wall, um, which is just another. If you guys haven't counted that, the Dragon Wall is another name for the spine of the world, the mountain chain that runs between the waste and the rest of the world. Okay. So if you look on your maps, there's something called the spine of the world. It's also called the Dragon Wall. And then we get into this inn. So let's talk about this scene. So he goes into the common room, meets the innkeeper. Everyone's acting weird. The innkeeper's acting weird. All the people are acting weird. Like no one wants, no one's making eye contact or looking at him. It's obvious they're all still paying attention to everything he says, but they're trying to act like they're not. Like it's just very, <laughs> yeah, very, very strange setting. Yeah. And, and when it was getting awkward, um, Rand's first thought was that he thought I was Aiel. Mm-hmm. Um, it, oh, you took the word. Yeah, in my, my mind, definitely kind of went that direction. But there's so many other things that are just different about uh, this culture here. That Rand, obviously, even just walking around, is going to stand out like a sore thumb because none of his mannerisms, none of the way he interacts. I mean, nothing is going to match up to what what everybody else does. So, um, it could just be that that he's just awkward and despite the way he's dressed and being treated like a lord uh he, he's clearly very different and sure. also and also uh, looks like an IEL. so that's, true that's to it 
that, that too. Anything for you, Chris? Uh, actually, he just hit all the nails on the head in my opinion. Okay. Um, the, the fact of the ideal was really what I focused in on. Um, we keep getting this allusion to the fact that he really does it like me, Ioman. So I'm really thinking that eventually here, he's just going to come to accept it and he's going to get some clarification from somebody. Uh, maybe tomorrow we'll read something and it'll help to confirm all of what we know. Yeah, okay. To be hopefully true. Sure. Um, so yeah, so Rand wants to share a room with Heron, uh, and the innkeeper is like, "Excuse you," <laughs> and Heron's like, "No, no, no, what? <laughs> um, no, no." Uh, uh, he misspoke. I'm definitely taking a separate room. Rand, Rand, shut up. Let me handle this. <laughs> like, so, um, <laughs> so Rand's like, "Fine, I guess we'll do separate rooms." Uh, but can we at least get a joining, you know, door between our rooms? And like, okay, we can give you that much, but still strange to them. They're like, "But you're a lord. Why would you ever want to stay with your servants?" So, loyal, loyal, and Heron stay in one room. Ray gets his own room, um, and they got to go up. They set up, you know, and it's nice because up there they actually have uh, stuff for ogiers. So there's like an ogier bed and um, you know, sized chair, which is kind of cool. I found that very interesting, by the way. Well, they have there's a steading that's nearby. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't. I guess it was last chapter where there, or maybe it was this chapter. I don't know, but. It's not rare. It's not a well. It's rare, but it's not uh uh un. God, what's the word I'm thinking for? It unheard of that an an ogier would come through. So right, and ogiers do yeah. The Kyrian ogiers do come through a lot more often than other cities. Like everyone there is is more familiar with ogiers, um, especially since they're constantly rebuilding um, the towers that that fell apart. They're asking the ogiers to come help build, but they're all saying no. But anyway, that's beyond the point. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so. And like you said, there is a setting close by. So, um, so after they get settled in, Rand says, "Hey, I'm going to go back over to the four gate. It sounded pretty cool there. I'll go check it out. I want to go." And um, and he says, "Loyal, you want to come with me?" And Loyal's like, "No, I don't want to be seen. Uh, there might be other ogier here. I kind of just want to stay where I am," <laughs> which is a little bit strange. Um, uh, you find out later why, but you know, he's like, "Oh, whatever." Um, and, you know, uh, Heron does not want to go to the foregate either. He just is like, no, I'll just stay here too. And, you know, you go by yourself. So, um, and this is the part where Rand goes out and the innkeeper hands him the invitations. So as he's walking out, the, in, the innkeepers, you know, says, hey, here's some invitations that you just got. Yeah. Uh, slide, sliding back just a little bit, I got a small chuckle out of um, – loyal not wanting to go uh and i i was already thinking as i'm reading this i'm like okay normally you're so eager uh you know to just see new things and and learn new things and that's the whole point of them coming on this trip is uh you know there's just going to be cool stuff happening around rand and then all of a sudden he kind of wants to sit in the room so i'm already thinking okay there's definitely something something he's not telling us and and we'll get to it but even though he tells us i, I still get the feeling like uh one loyal is not his character is not a very good liar and not very good at holding stuff back so i just picture him being very clumsy and stumbling over his words here and trying to make excuses and whatnot so anyways i just i thought that was yeah. kind of funny what are your thoughts uh so now we get to this next scene so chris do you have anything before we get to this with the invitations 
Well, I, again, like I, I really focused in on when it came to the invitations, the reactions to him burning the invitations. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's really where my mind went. Like, I first and foremost, when you get an invitation, it's very impolite not to respond. Right. Like her and made that very clear to Rand. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what you do, you have to respond. And every response that you give in action and action is a response. And then the actual response is a response. So if you get them and you do nothing, then you're declining in a negative way. If you get them, you decline them, you decline them, but then it's assumed that you have something important or more important going on or you've accepted an invitation to something or someone greater. So like the mind is already at work and the web is being weaved. You are creating a bunch of inferences that are very uh, deductive in, in reasoning. Like theoretically, you could be making any number of choices and you've just entered into this great game. Sure. I keep going back to that because I really love that focus. I really enjoy politicking um that is something that i find myself doing quite often and thriving somewhat in um and Rand has already made one of the biggest mistakes which is making enemies of three lesser people assumed lesser people Mm -hmm. um and that can come back to bite him later on we don't know the press we don't know the names Mm -hmm. maybe the emblem at the beginning of the chapter again was of one of the crests on one of the invitations that he just threw into the fire. And maybe he just made an enemy of somebody he didn't want to make an enemy of that will come back to bite him four books from now. Yeah. We never know, or we won't know for, you know, another three or four years. Right. So. <laughs> sure. That's, that's kind of where my mind is. Sure. And, and, and poor Rand, this is like a little microcosm of everything that's happened to him up until this point from when he's left, uh, Edmonds Field, like how many times did he tell Moraine, you know, I'm and and say inside his head, I'm not, I'm not playing that Asada game. I'm not doing what they tell me. I'm my own man. I make my own choices. And and obviously, we've seen, you know, in, in the big picture, no matter what he tries to do, we can't seem to run from this fate or destiny or whatever. Uh, and then he he enters, uh, what do we call it again? Kyrie, Kyrian, Kyrian, Kyrian. Um, and he's like, I'm not playing your stinking game. Well, bro, the second you walk through those gates, whether you mm-hmm. decide to turn left or turn right, whether you dust off your shoes or sneeze, every little thing you do is going to get everybody else thinking that it was intentional and that you're playing the game. And from their perspective, you're making moves. So like, like Chris said, that one action of tossing them in there, it could, it could mean all sorts of things to people. And, and definitely, you know, you could be making enemies just by responding that way. So this, this would have been a good chapter to call choices as well. Haha. Sure. Yes. <laughs> sure. So, um, yeah. So as you were saying, like when Rand announces, uh, he's not playing the game, like Herod's just like, well, now everyone thinks you definitely are playing the game. And uh, you, you realize this can actually get you killed. Like, what you're doing uh you, you say you don't want to play the game that's not an option in the city at all like there is no not playing it's you got to play and if you don't play right you can die <laughs> um you offend the wrong person they'll send assassins after you um so 
Rance is like, whatever. I don't want to do this at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like too damn bad. We don't. Yeah. Care. So Rance just says whatever. So he says, I'm just gonna leave, and he leaves. Heads on to the four gate. Um, there's more parades going on. Um, you know, he pokes his head into a couple theaters. Um, you know, and, and some people are just like, hey, you have to pay money to go in here. He's like, oh, just checking it out. He's like, give us money. I leave. He's like, all right, I'll just leave. Um, and he starts hearing the great hunt perform, performed, you know, down, down the, you know, from one of the theaters. And it reminds him of Tom. Tom. That's my shout out to uh, the Leaf Boys. <laughs> Very nice. We just have to make that into a video now with some, some techno music in the background. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll spice it up. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. So, here's a familiar voice. and walks in, and there he is in all his glory. I know Ian almost got in a car accident when he got to the scene. But, uh, Chris, what was your thoughts? <laughs> um, duh. That was the first thing I thought. It's like we already knew this was coming. Yeah. Where and when and like that that kind of surprised me. I did, I kind of wanted him to ride in on a horse in in white cloak and white garb <laughs> and, and save somebody. Instead, your boy is doing what he does best, showing his ass off. Yep. And that's okay. I'm actually okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so Rand goes in, like I said, he's dazed, he sees the man on stage, and it's Tom. Um, um, and Tom just immediately sees Rand, makes eye contact, and just like nods to the door and sides, like, I'll talk to you. <laughs> it's like holding Rand's eye, Tom nodded slightly towards a small door beside the dais. Then he was bowing again, smiling and basking in the applause. Like, that is Tom <laughs> in, his, in his essence. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. As much as I wanted him to ride in on a horse yeah. in white cloak, like, you know, you couldn't expect less from him. The man is hustling, and I love a good hustle. Yeah, it's, it, it's perfect. He he doesn't break character. He's in the middle, well, wrapping up a performance, so, like, it's great. And then if you think about this moment when it goes on screen, it's kind of perfect because it's going to be much more visual. There's not a lot of conversation back and forth. And this is one of those moments like, um, God, what's a good example? You remember when uh, Yoda finally bust out his fight scene against Doku? Mm -hmm. And did you see it in theaters? And everybody just loses their shit. Like everybody's <laughs> screaming like, ah, you know, like that. Like this would be one of those moments. Where people who, like who haven't read as it comes up, they're they're going to collectively crap their pants. Um, yeah. So, I th I think it was well written. It at first maybe it seemed anticlimactic. The only thing where that got my adrenaline really going was uh, literally uh, I didn't read this first. I listened to it first. I had a road trip, and as it's coming up, like I kind I kind of felt it. And when he whispers Tom and they do like their eye motions to each other, nudging each other, I'm screaming in my, in my truck and like slamming on the steering wheel. I think I was cursing Alan. I, I started screaming Tom. 
Uh, and then there was a red light and somebody cut in front of me last second. And I was literally halfway off the road slamming on my brakes. Like it was <laughs> like that gave me a whole bunch of adrenaline. And uh, I don't know. It just I don't think I'll ever be able to reenact that uh, <laughs> that experience for you all sufficiently. I, I wish I had like a GoPro going or something recording me because y'all would y'all would be cracking up. <laughs> all I can say is like literally I get this message ring. I'm like read 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 the book you must read now I'm like oh lord somebody died or somebody comes back yeah. I got super excited I was like I this is the chapter this has to be the chapter because <laughs> I got head started reading I read just a couple of pages and I have to get to the point to where like we were seeing the music hall you could feel like, it yeah. Oh yep. gosh, it was so good. Yeah. There was a disturbance. In the oh, I think that was your first response when I said, "Oh my gosh, stop what you're doing. You have to read. Whatever you're doing right now, stop and read." And you went, "Who dies?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, I can't say anything else. <laughs> I just, you need to read." <laughs> so yeah, so Tom comes off the stage. He limps over. Uh, he's limping, obviously. Uh, the fade did get him a little bit in the leg. Um, and Tom's complaining um, just about the crowd and about performing and being Tom. Um, and Rand's like, I thought you were dead. And he's like, I fooled the fade wasn't interested in me at all. As soon as you guys left, he was like, screw you. I'm out of here too. Um, so, you know, obviously the fade was after them. And uh, Tom didn't ask about Moraine. He's like, oh, how's our, how's our chick doing? Um, and Rand's like, why, why do you care? Like, <laughs> she's fine, I guess. I'm done with Hotch Dot. I, I don't want anything to do with them. Uh, and Tom's like, well, I'm glad it wasn't you. And Rand's like, what do you mean it wasn't me? Like, <laughs> he's like, well, it's just something I thought of. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of this weird interchange. Um, and then he asked about his harp and flute. He's like, yeah, of course you still have them. Um, and kind of goes through the whole what happened. And that kind of ends this scene with Tom being has, has to go back on stage because the guy's getting ratted up saying like, eh, hey, come meet me at this inn. I'll be done in a little bit, about an hour. Uh, meet me there. So, and bring my yeah. harp and flute. Yeah, bring this my dude's, harp and flute. This dude's all business. Like, clearly, there's more important things to talk about, to ask about, to whatever. But you know, the show must go on, and he needs his goods. Mm-hmm. I have to say, this chapter let me down a little bit, though. It was really anticlimactic. We hyped Tom up to be something awesome, and then I he still just I I didn't hype him up. You guys did. That's what I'm saying. We, 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 the collective. You're a dark friend. You're I just a gonna, we, the collective, hyped him up as a savior. Of the I world. just kept on telling you he was dead. <laughs> yeah. So you actually you had me believing because for the longest time you would say sure and kind of laugh it off, and then one of our one of our episodes we had a guest host on, and I remember Chris brought it up again, and you just flat out said, "Guys, Tom is dead. Move on." And I was like, I was like, "Oh, I guess Alan's getting." Is Alan getting mad that we keep bringing it up? Like, I kind of told myself, I was like, fine, he might be dead. I'm going to bring it up every fucking episode. <laughs> Just this podcast. Yeah, right. He's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> but no, so I mean, I guess you played that pretty good, Alan. I would, I would say my disappointment wasn't so much this chapter, but again, it could be from the almost crashing. Uh, but what unfolds next chapter was a, like had me scratching my head a little bit, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But I was a little more yeah. let down next chapter. Sure, yeah, completely agree. Yeah, yeah. Th- this was good for me. I was just 
it was and it's crazy i'm sitting there like clapping thinking about chris going oh boy he's gonna be so excited (laughs) (laughs) sure so yeah so that's how we end but uh like i said um yeah tom going back on stage and Rand being told to go to the end um this other end where he's staying and we end the in the chapter so um any other final thoughts before we move on tom Tom, 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 Tom. All right, moving on to chapter 26, Discord. Uh, and the <laughs> icon the icon is the harp. Um, hey. Yeah, back to Tom. So that's like kind of Tom's icon. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's much to talk about the icon, but let's talk about the title, Discord. I mean, obviously that means talking or, or it's an internet app that we use to talk to our, all of our, our wonderful pocket friends on, but um, I doubt that that's what they're talking about in this book, but. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to get into my main point just talking about the, sure. the title. I'll, I'll say leading into it. Um, when I even mentioned at the end of last chapter, I didn't see what unfolds here coming. I didn't see. I didn't see that. I sure. thought. I thought it'd be happy reunion, and then back on board. You know, traveling together and all that jazz. Even after everything that ran unveiled to him, just totally surprised. Anyway, I don't. I don't want to go too, too far down that rabbit hole yet. So I, we'll see. Okay. Save me, Chris. Save me. Save me, Tom Cruise. When I think of Discord, I think of it more along the lines of the musical definition, which is like lack of harmony between notes and sounds. So the minute I read this title, I knew that something was going to be off. There was going to be a disagreement of some sort. So that's where my mind went. Mm-hmm. And seeing as the fact that Tom just showed up and Rand is here, I'm like, what's about to go down? Like, are we about to learn more about Moraine and her relationship with Tom? Are we about to learn more about Tom and his views on what Rand is doing? Like, is Rand going to come out to Tom about being, you know, the Dragon Reborn? And how's Tom going to feel? Like, all of these thoughts flooded my mind as I looked at the single word by itself. I really do like the way um, Jordan evokes thought with the title sometimes. I mean, if you think about the minutes that we've been talking about it, he, he really has kind of mastered the art of creating questions in our mind and causing us to really evaluate the situation before we even start the chapter. So for those that don't actually pay attention to chapter titles, shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, thank yeah. you. That was, that was the best save I could have got. I was rambling and you totally, you saved that one. That was perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so let's start writing the chapter. So Rand runs into the end. He's grinning ear to ear. He doesn't care that he looks like a crazy madman. He doesn't care anybody thinks of him at this point because Tom's alive. And he bursts into the door. Um, and, and Loyal and Heron are there. And Rand's like, I found Tom. Um, and, and, and Loyal's like, oh, you mean the guy you told me about that died? He's like, yeah, he's alive. He's down the foregate right now. You should come meet him. Come on, Loyal, let's go. And Loyal's like, eh, I'm good. I- I'm just going to stay here because, uh, yeah, I don't don't really want to want to leave. Um, <laughs> um, and Heron you know, calms Rand down. He's like, come down, Rand. People in the con room are asking a bunch of questions about you. Um, and Rand's like, I don't care what, about them. Loyal, 
come on, let's go. Uh, he's like, why don't you go? Um, and Loyal kind of says, well, I didn't exactly leave the studying with permission, and I'm not really supposed to be gone, so I don't want the no gear to find me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wonder how often that happens. Like, he, we have a rebellious gear, and I'm wondering how often we have that. Or if this is like a weaving of, you know, the wheel. Yeah. Maybe he too is a little bit of a, uh, what's that word we've been using that we haven't used in a long time? Chavirin? Chavirin. (laughs) Maybe he is one, or maybe he's just that caught up in them that he was just drawn to doing it. But I just found that really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So at towards the end of their exchange there, Rand, you know, tries to put him at ease about who you know, who cares about the other Ogier and what they might do in him. He's like, If if Elder uh Haman won't let you come back, you can live in Emmons Field. It's a pretty place, a beautiful place. And then this is the only thing I've circled in this chapter. I am sure it is, Rand, but that would never work. You see, and then trails off and he gets cut off. And I yes. put question marks, underline, and circled. This is going to come back. And I this tried to cut you off just to play emphasis, and you ruined it, but it's okay. Oh, wait. No, hit it. Do I? No, we're good. You've already gone too <laughs> far. You put some emphasis on a syllable, and I totally jacked it up. You did. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so now I'm getting the feeling. Obviously, well, Jordan's given me the feeling. Uh that Loyal may have done something pretty significant. He might be borderline like outlaw. I don't think it's just that he left. Uh, Maybe he took something. Maybe he did something that's considered a significant crime or unforgivable, forgivable crime within the the world. I mean, this is, this is pretty dodgy. I mean, I know he's young in gear terms, maybe a little immature Mm -hmm. in gear ways. uh, despite him being, you know, old, but um, there's there's something here, and and I, I I hate to say it, but Chris, this is probably gonna be one of these freaking things that we get two books later. Um, oh yeah, little simple trail off, and then Rand quickly changes the topic, and the story just runs on somewhere else. But that one's coming back. Hmm. I agree. Okay. Yeah. So Rand does convince him to come. He's like, all right, you have to come. I don't care what your excuses are. You're coming. So he makes Loyal come anyway. And they make their way down the Tom's End and the Foregate. And you get a description of this inn. It's a lot more run down. A lot more fun, too, than his inn. You know, there's it seems like a lot more stuff's going on. Um, and, you know, uh, he comes in. The innkeeper's kind of surprised, I think, to see Rand. Because Rand looks like a lord. You know, uh, coming into their in the foregate, but he's you know, Rand's like, "Where's Tom's room?" And he's you know, he points him to his room, says, "Yeah, there's a girl named Dean up there. Just knock on the door, um, and and ask for Tom. Um, she'll probably let you wait there." So that's what they do. They go up to the room, knock on the door. A woman, a woman says, "Come in." And you get this, yeah, yeah, and you get description, you get description, you get description of Dina. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, she's like, yeah, whoever you are, just leave his stuff there. Uh, I'll let him know you stop by. And Rand's like, no, no, we're going we're gonna to wait for, for him. It's like, then who the hell are you? Like, <laughs> like it's this very suspicious, like, 
well, why are you here type moment. So th- initial thoughts on Dina. She's young, mm-hmm. which we know. She is slightly entitled. She yep. knows quite a bit more about Tom than everyone else, which is either what Tom fed her or what she actually knows. So I'm interested in finding out what the case is when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. And she is very pointed to let everybody know that it's not just Tom's room, but it's her and Tom's room. Mm -hmm. And she gave Rand no respect, even though she saw the fact that he had his red coat with his heron on the high collar and golden brambles embroidered up the sleeve and his sword. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, yeah, I know who you are. You don't matter. Yeah. Thoughts, Ian? Uh, I didn't try to overthink it because I didn't know what to think of her. Uh, I just Mm kind of read forward because, um, I mean, I still have so many questions about Tom. I mean, there was a point where he seemed like an opportunist to me. And if that's the case, if he's he's a little bit more of a selfish thinker, opportunist type guy, uh, then, you know, you have to think what's special about Dina. Like, what is he getting out of it to keep her along? Um, mm-hmm. or it's like an old flame that he used to know, but you know, we get the impression she's younger. So I, I don't know. I just didn't really know. So kept trudging along. Sure. Yeah. And, and Dina says, well, I got to practice. And they realize that she's, you know, practicing juggling and stuff like that, that she's actually wants to be a, a glee woman, I guess. And that's kind of unheard of. So they're kind of taken back by it. And glee person. Like, glee person. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and, and, um, you know, taking, she's, you know, they're all taken aback by the fact that she wants to do that because that's kind of unheard of. And she's like, yeah, you know, he says, I, I'm going to be performing soon and we're going to get out of here and go somewhere else. And Rand kind of looks out of the room. It's like, it doesn't look like you guys are leaving anytime soon. Um, you know, there's like a plant in the window. Like, it looks like you guys are here for a while. Um, Tom must be feeding you some bullshit. That's <laughs> basically what Rand's thinking and said. Um, Tom comes in. So, so Tom comes back. Um, he's complaining all about these new thing called actors. You know, these people are acting out scenes. He's like, and he has definitely a disdain for, a disdain for, dis, a distaster uh, for the, the new way of, of where you have people act out to me. Like, it's like, I make them the characters when I tell my stories. What's this whole being like the characters? I don't like it. It's horrible. Yeah. Video killed the radio star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. And, and so once Tom comes in, he's just like, all right, Dina, I got to talk to uh, Rand alone. So yeah. Can you, get out for a little bit so I can talk to Rand and she's kind of like what really but she leaves yeah um, we're, we're skipping over the important part the kiss okay oh well, yeah like, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so like in my mind there's you have the moments here where she's first off very welcoming to the Ogier which was really cool which you know we see throughout the entirety of the last book that he was a part of he was kind mm-hmm. of like half the places like feared him, the other half of places, you know, honored him. And here's someone who really did show him the adieu. And then when Tom walked in, 
she like threw herself on him to just like show her importance. And then the kiss that went on for some time, so long that Rand was beginning to wonder if he and Loyal should leave. But Dina let her heel drop to the floor with a sigh. So she's clearly into her old man. <laughs> yeah. So this is where I flip flop from what I was thinking before. You know, I mentioned, all right, at times Tom might have come off as opportunist. Uh, but you also know my being jaded and distrusting of all of the shenanigans going on. And she's just like over the top all over this guy, kissing him, being super affectionate. And we have every reason to believe that this relationship is still rather new at most Mm -hmm. a couple months along, even if they met right off the bat when Tom left, he just started training her all that jazz. So really new relationship. And she's being over the top affectionate. And I'm not saying, obviously I'm not saying all women are like this, but I've seen this before where, uh, and I guess maybe guys could do it too. But in this example, I'll say a female just, over the top like that because they that's really all they have to offer and they're really doing it to lure the other person in because they have something that they want whether it be money or status or whatever so now i'm starting to worry about tom i'm like tom you need to ditch this lady because i don't know it's that's a that's a bit much i don't know yeah i don't know who to trust anymore yeah well, Tom starts to brag on her, you know, says that, you know. Um, She'll be a bard yeah, one day. She listens yeah. to a tale once, once only mine. And she has it right. Not just the words, but every nuance, every rhythm. She has a fine hand on the harp, and she played the flute better the first time she picked it up than you ever did. So he really yeah. is, like, talking about her. But, again, Tom's an opportunist. So is this yeah. like the one that's going to allow him to retire and take care of him? Is this going to be his actual like lady and his insurance or I say retirement? Mm-hmm. Um, like what's, yeah. what's the play? I think that's it right there. Like, yeah. I, but question, see, I question whether or not there's any real love there or not. Yeah. Yeah, out of this that sorry, I, I, not to harp on on this right here, but uh, I was stuck on it as I was reading it, and this is a lot of what I was questioning. As Tom described it, I actually got the feeling, like you said, he knows he's getting older, maybe thinking about retirement. What's the one thing he's lacking? I th- I think he truly wants the companionship out of it, and I think that's cool. But then I go back to, well, what is it that she wants out of it? Is it just to learn from him? I feel like that's an attempt to uh, manipulate him, you know, like to show an interest in things that he's interested in. Again, that's a tactic I've seen before. It's, you know, pretending yeah. to be like, oh, yeah, I like football. I'll go watch football with you. But that's not really what they want to do. They, you know, they want your car and your bank account and, you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, Rand also said, you know, like, well, it, he said, I, speaking of playing the flute, I did play, use your flute a little bit. Cause he asked, you know, did you use the flute? Did you play the harp, touch the harp? He's like, no, I didn't touch the harp, but I did play the flute along the way. He's like, yeah, I heard. He's like, I stopped at some of the same ends that you were at on the way to Camelin. Um, and you know, they told me about you guys. <laughs> so I, I heard all about that. And, um, you know, he went through Camelin. 
Um, and then Loyal kind of butts in, is like, ask about women gleeman. It's like, well, I'd never heard of a woman gleeman. Um, and that's where you get the whole entire thing about, well, yeah, gleeman's no lifestyle for her. You know, I, I want to make her a bard. Um, and she's good enough to become one eventually. Hey, have we heard anything uh, about what's so special about the harp? Because he kind of made it a point, and I don't, maybe he was just messing with them, but he was like, you, you didn't touch the harp, did you? Your, your clumsy sheep herder's fingers were never meant for the harp. Uh, so he yeah. seemed, of all the things, he seemed a little bit um, more protective and of, of the harp. Yeah, I think it's, it's his prized possession. You know, it's just like his okay. gold, ornate, beautiful harp that doesn't want anybody to mess with. Yeah. Um, or is this a deflection of a dark friend? Yeah. <laughs> maybe uh sure uh so <laughs> so yeah so um and then and then Rand kind of just goes right into it he's just like um so so i know you tell about the story about the great hunt would you like to be part of it and tom's like what do you mean do you know someone you know do you know something i don't know and he's like and loyal's like don't don't tell him don't what are you doing Rand? like loyal's like Rand, no Rand, no sure. and he's like yeah and, and Rand's just like Tom, we have the horn, and Tom just starts bust out laughing. He's like, <laughs> "Sure you do." Like he's like, "I can, I can take you down to five guys right now that say they know where the horn is, and then five other people they'll make, they'll sell it to you." Like you don't have the horn. <laughs> like whatever you have back at the end, sure. Like you, you can tell yourself it's a horn. And like Rand's like, "Moraine says it's the horn," and that shuts Tom up immediately. He's like, "Did she now?" <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, Tom definitely. Changes his tune after that. Um, so then Rand asked Tom, he's like, hey, do you want to come with us? And Tom's like, no, I don't. Not at all. I'm done with you guys. My job, now you're out of the eyes and eye business. That's why I followed you to make sure that it, you know, do something bad to you guys. And now that you guys are out of that, I, I don't want anything to do with you guys really anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, he's like, but it's the horde. Um, and then Rand kind of turns to Loyal at this point and says, hey, can we leave? I talk to Tom alone. So before we get to this next thing, anything from that whole interchange about the horn you guys want to talk about? Well, this this was the part that, like, the anticlimactic part that really made this. So this chapter was exciting for me as I started reading it because I'm like, all right, end of last chapter, Tom's back. And then as Rand starts spilling the beans about everything and he just spills the beans about the horn, I'm feeling Rand here. I'm like, oh, man, he's putting it all on the line and definitely tom's gonna come now like this this is it bands back together <laughs> here we go next couple of pages they're gonna get on some horses and go fuck some shit up and sling knives at trollocs and save the world and then tom goes ah nah hard pass and i'm like you've got to be effing kidding me like i'm good how are you gonna come back to life and just be like nah bro i'm gonna water my plants teach this chick to juggle and get some kisses and i think that's good for me <laughs> so, that's why i've been a little more quiet in this chapter is it's like because i knew this was coming and it just it i don't know mm -hmm. anti hit a brick wall sure yeah thoughts chris i completely agree it also kind of shows the the depth of the characters and the relationships that are being built um and it makes them a lot more human. I think a lot of times in these stories, uh, when we have the story of the, the hero and the adventure, everybody's gung-ho about jumping on board for the fame and the glory. 
and then we have characters like Tom coming into a story like this where it's so well-built and so well-rounded, where it's like, yeah, I'm too old to worry about all these things. Like, I don't have much time left in this world. I'm going to take a moment just to sit back and relax. And, yeah. you know, there's the cynical side of me that's like, this is a story, and this is a man who's all about the story. He's not going to miss an opportunity. And Rand has put an inkling of doubt in his mind, and that's going to fester, and it's going to burst in his mind. And he's like, I got to go. I have to find Rand. I have to go figure out what's going on with the horn. I have to be a part of the action. But at the current moment, he's doing everything he can to talk himself out of this very thought. And he failed, in my opinion, or at least my theory is he's going to fail miserably. And within the next five chapters, he's going to be right beside Rand, you know, discovering that Rand's the dragon reborn. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I, I, I do agree with you on that. And also remember, Rand is Tiberian. So he has this ability. We've, we've seen it in these other characters that have had like just brief moments of interacting with him and they're drawn to him and they're drawn to this story that surrounds him. So. I think he gets sucked back in, but then I also go back and I paused and I try to think about the relationship from Tom's perspective, because we have Rand, who's this young kid. He, how much time did he actually spend with Tom? A couple few weeks. A few yeah. weeks, yeah. Yeah, so that's not a lot of time. Uh, it might seem like a lot for Rand, being young and all, and in the beginning of this grand adventure, Tom was somebody he trusted, and then much like us, Chris, we kept building this return of Tom up in our head because we were like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Ran was building up this hero of a person in his mind from just a couple of weeks of interacting with him. And, and so, you know, Rand of course is overly excited. He's like, ah, oh, bands back together. But from Tom's perspective, all right, he went to go perform at this town. Some crazy shit happened. Uh, he helped out a little bit and then they moved on. So he moved on with his life. For him, as old as he is, three weeks, four weeks, that's a blink. You know, what, what does he owe these people? So I, I don't know. I, I guess I see it a little bit from Tom's perspective. Like, nah, I'd rather just go on with my life. But I, I, I think he'll get sucked back into it. Yeah. It's a great perspective. Sure. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, Rand asks Loyal to leave because he wants to talk to Tom alone. And Loyal leaves. Uh, he says, well, it looks like there's a good dice game going on down there. I'll, I'll go down there and check that out. Uh, or, or, yeah. So Loyal leaves, and um, Rand immediately turns to Tom and says, what do you know about the prophecies of the dragon? And Tom's like, uh, and starts reciting some of the prophecies. First prophecy, twice and twice shall he be marked, twice to live and twice to die. Once the heron to set his path, twice the heron to name him true. Once the dragon for remembrance lost, twice the dragon for the price he must pay. The other one that comes to mind is twice dawns the day when his blood is shed, once for mourning, once for birth. Red on black, the dragon's blood stains the rock of Shaohu. In the pit of doom shall his blood Free men from the shadow. So, and Rand's trying to hide his brand, as you say, the mark about the heron, because he has that brand of the heron on his palm now. If you remember when he was in the portal world, he got that brand on his hand. 
Right. So that's that's one. Right. So what what's what's two then? I don't think it's as simple as just the heron on the blade or the stuff on his clothes. Is there another one yeah. coming? Sure. <laughs> so what do you guys think about this prophecy though? Like I mean it confused uh, that... me a little bit to be honest with you. Okay. I think reading that and then reading that part where it's like the sword makes five, hilt, scabbard, and blade. He turns the sand down on the table, hiding the brand. Like, wh- where does the number five come from? Did I miss something? Help me out. My mind's racing today, so. I think that was him just trying to show to Tom it's not talking about him. Because, no, I, I don't have two. I have, look, I, they're all over. That's clearly yeah. it's not talking about me. But he's yeah. hiding the actual mark on his hand. Yeah. So I guess for in regards to the actual statement being here, being made here, twice the heron to name him true, the sword and then the mark on his hand. Is that the inference that we're making? And then he's just I'm thinking I'm thinking at least the mark on the hand. I don't I don't know that I'm sold that the sword counts, which which would mean there's gonna be if I'm right, there's something else that's gonna happen that physically marks him or something with the heron heron. But then again it could be the sword. And then once the dragon for remembrance lost, twice the dragon for the price he must pay. Mm-hmm. Nothing yep. about it really makes sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to Rand either. Um, a lot of it doesn't. He's just trying to picture. He's like, I don't understand any of this. So I don't get where this comes into me at all. So, yeah. So uh, the, the last two lines, the red on black, the dragon's blood stains the rock of Shalgul. In the pit of doom shall his blood free men from the shadow. Uh, and the only thing I wrote in the notes there was a throwback to when um, Lan was teaching him sword forms. And then he taught him the one thing for balance that he was like, you don't ever actually use that because yeah. you're going to expose yourself and you'll be able to get a blow in, but not without, you know, taking one yourself. And, right. and I threw out there that, oh, maybe maybe that's how Rand saves the day is like in the fiercest battle he has to fight. He has to use this move where he lures whatever bad dude in, strikes the final blow on him, but also sacrifices himself in doing so. So maybe there's a little connection there. Oh, maybe that's the second mark of the Heron. Maybe like the bad guy gets his sword and he dies on his own sword. Mm. Could be true. Mm. Nah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so I, mean, I, I used to do drugs. I still do, but yeah, I used to too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rand, Rand denies he has any ties to the White Tower. You know, they goes into that, say he's still with Aes Sedai, no ties there. Um, and he asks about the horn. Um, you know, says you know the heroes will come to it, and he tells you know some of the stuff he's learned that the heroes will come for in, anyone who blows the horn. So we have to keep it safe. It's not just if we blow it. If if Dark Friend gets in and blows it. We're still screwed. We're screwed because apparently the heroes come back to fight for whoever. And Tom's like, I didn't know that, but interesting. Yeah, that was new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Tom says, you know, I think he already suspected that it was Rand already, um, but he doesn't go into it too much because um, uh, he's kind of wondering, you know, why the ice died let you go. And Tom's trying to figure this all out too, you know, and, and you get a little bit more about Owen again, uh, Tom's uh, nephew who the Reds gentled him. 
Um, and then he died shortly after. Um, and that's, that's kind of Tom's whole thing. He had already told, ran that story, but that uh, it just reemphasized that, that just kind of the ICD did him dirty. And that's why he doesn't necessarily trust them or did his nephew dirty. I was kind of hoping that Rand would hundred percent fess up about the channeling to Tom. And I, I know that's a bit of a risk because yeah. he's definitely outside the circle of trust of the Edmonds fielders, like the close, close friends. Yeah. Um, but he just threw the horn out there like no big deal and just dumps all this other info on there. And mm-hmm. if Rand actually trusts Tom's story about the nephew and everything, then revealing this to him, I don't think Tom would be the type to turn him into the eyes to die. Wouldn't be the type to try and hurt him. I think Tom would try and help him and protect him. It, yeah. Know, so I, I feel like there was enough here for Rand to be able to confide in him. And that might've been enough for Tom to be like, okay, no, I need to help look out for you. And maybe yeah. brought him in. But do you think Tom suspects Rand? If he does, he's very good about not showing Rand that he suspects him. Because he even says, I thought it might have been you at first, but clearly it's not if the I said I let you go. And it mm-hmm. must be one of the other boys. But then again, maybe he's just saying that so that Rand think that he knows that he thought that he knows that he knows about what he knows that Rand didn't know that he knew. Yeah. Tom. Yeah. I I honestly feel as if um Tom has given a lot of deep thought and he just assumed that whomever is channeling and does have the power the Aes Sedai would keep because he has this dogmatic view of the Aes Sedai. And so the fact that Rand has his freedom means he can't be the one. That's just how it is in Tom's mind. I yeah. think also though that Tom is very interested in trying to determine whether or not his theory is right. And so the only way to determine that is to join the crew and get back at it. So I think yeah. Tom wants to definitely rejoin them. And I, I'm right there with you, Ian. I really was hoping that Rand would fess up. I mean, he needs to tell somebody. Clearly, he's like, bursting at the seams let somebody know that he is the dragon reborn but he just hasn't had the opportunity he's not comfortable with anybody which you know i'm actually proud of Rand for for the first time mm-hmm. he's thinking you know strategically and he's holding his cards close rather than kind of revealing it all to anybody and everybody sure yeah, i i think the only good reason for Rand to hold back right now is that Tom is not single, and yeah. pillow talk pillow talk would get him in trouble, uh, yeah. and and D- Dina may very well have uh, been at the dark friend social. So who knows? Ooh, <laughs> is that <a> prediction? <laughs> uh, I mean, we'll we'll see as this builds. But like, I I don't get warm fuzzies about her. I still okay. don't. I still don't see. I don't believe that what she's trying to get out of this relationship with Tom. Is just to learn to juggle and play a flute. I, I don't buy it. Yeah, she she's she's up to something. Yeah. Well, you know, Rand again asked Tom to come again, and he says no again. He says I'd rather just be happy with the rest. You know, just live my life. I, I'm with this girl now. She makes me happy. I'm. I just want to settle down. I want to retire. You know, pretty much from all this journey and just kind of sail to the sunset with my girl. And yeah. So I'm done. 
you can leave. But here's a flute. I'll give you my bad flute. That, I'll take my good one back, but I'll give you the other one. And maybe you'll need it again. Who knows? But uh, And Rand's like, well, at least we can still be friends and talk. Because, yeah, actually, a clean break is probably better. Um, yeah, don't ever come talk to me again. Just, just here's a flute. See you later. <laughs> Narrator steps in, but that wouldn't be the last time he saw him. <laughs> Two chapters later, Tom would write again. <laughs> Maybe. Sure. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, thoughts about this before Rand leaves and gets this internal, uh, this Tom, I guess, POV or point of view. No, I think we pretty much hit everything. Tom just turned out to be yeah. a gigantic disappointment. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I, try, I try to make sense of it from Tom's perspective. I have this horrible thing of giving people the benefit of the doubt, trying to see things from their point of view. But it, even with my best efforts, it's very disappointing. You would, you would think with everything Rand told him and what we know about Tom, Tom would be like, well, shit, I got to be a part of this and just hop on board. But. This this girl's got her heel or her claws dug into him. Yeah, uh, it's not even her. He's just gotten lazy, and now that he's got his flute and his heart back, he's gonna make some money and live comfortably again. Yeah, true, true. I mean, that's everything's dream. Make some money, live comfortably, be content. So yeah, so Rand leaves and, and Tom's thinking about the horn and he's like, I can't think about the horn. If I start thinking about the horn, I'm going to want to go and I don't want to go. I'm happy. Just put it on my head. And, the, and then the innkeeper comes in and she um, she comes in. She tells him, um, stop playing the game of houses. And Tom's like, what are you talking about? I'm not playing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm done with days tomorrow. I'm not playing the game of houses. And she's like, you were just talking to a lord alone in your room. And he's like, he's not a lord, he's a shepherd. And she starts laughing at him. He's like, and I'm the queen, <laughs> you know, um, or something like that. Uh, she, uh, she says, yeah, if he's a shepherd, I'm a queen. Uh, um, so pretty funny. And then she kind of gives us some advice that just marry the girl, forget about the game, settle down, leave, go somewhere else. And just so that's what the innkeeper's advice is to Tom. Um and we kind of end the chapter after that with with uh, Tom's Tom thinking Rand's out of it, and so am I. And that's my favorite sentence of the two chapters. And he is out of it. He said out loud, and so am I. That alludes to the fact we know that he's not out of it. So in my mind, Tom's not out of it. That's just good deductive reasoning. Is that inductive? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Pre- predictive. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Those are those are clearly those uh, clearly those lines that the exact opposite is true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jordan writes that you should just pretty much chalk it up to, yeah, flip it, yeah. reverse it. That's what's about to go down. Especially when you like flip the next page and you look at the next chapter, you're like, okay, yep. Oh yeah, true. It's about to go down. Well, so maybe that's how they reunite. Maybe ran like gets in some serious trouble with the game or something like that. Tom has to bail him out and then they're running out of the city together. Or, man, who mm. knows? But so, something's going to slam their paths back together. I don't think Tom's going to be able to find this. What, what, what was that? What'd you say? If, 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 do you know what Dina's happens with Dina? Oh, Dina's going to die. Is that a prediction? Kind of off topic, but on topic. Jordan hasn't killed anybody important yet. 
Yeah, we've had close calls. Okay. Kind of close calls. Well, we still have how many books left? All of them. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) Exactly. So maybe maybe people will die eventually. We'll see. Uh, (laughs) Of old age. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah. Um, So a couple of things. Any final thoughts from you guys before we go on from these chapters? I mean, Tom's back. That's the big one. Obviously, I'm Tom, curious. Tom, Tom. He didn't come back in all the glory that we thought he would. So he's not Tom the White. Is it still just regular Tom or is this old Tom? Like what? What do we call him now? It's Tom the Beige, you know, or, you know, I, I was thinking going with Tom. <laughs> Tom he's, you know, Tom I want to retire. I got hobby. Any final thoughts for you, Chris? Any anything Tom we missed? Tom's anything you want to talk about? Near as fun. As Tom <laughs> White. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Tom's moving to Florida. Retired Tom. Boring now. Boring. <laughs> we, 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 we have to do a better job in that. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm sure Discord, everybody's over there <laughs> laughing at us. Like, ha, you guys thought, and we knew. Time, time, time share, Tom. That's, uh, that's, that's a good <laughs> one. We need to share Tom, like bent over on a walker <laughs> with a Florida, Floridian shirt on and some khaki shorts. Yeah. And, and he seems like the kind of guy that'll have cats when he finally <laughs> settles down in retirement. He's going to be a cat, a cat dude. Yeah. So he's he's going to smell a little bit. Cat guy. Yeah. yeah. There's our next shirt idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I know there's not a lot of characters in these chapters, so we always do favorite characters from these chapters. It's something we started doing. Um, so do you guys have a favorite character? I know it's not Tom, obviously, because you're calling yeah. Dina. Yeah. <laughs> because Ooh. I like, I Dina? like okay. the waiting. Chris? Her, her statement about the weight of the knives better be right. So in my mind, mm. she might be a pretty badass assassin. Like maybe she's going to be our assassin character here. Like maybe Tom's molding her to be something awesome. Maybe he can't be anything great, but maybe she will. Uh, yeah. You know, Chris, we talked before when Tom was riding and started slinging knives at the Trollocs. And yeah. we were like, okay, maybe the Gleeman thing is a cover story. But what actually is Tom? So maybe, gosh, I don't even think of that aspect. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's training her as part of something else. And he's also training her on the cover story of the mm-hmm. Glee person thing. Well, he wants to be a bard. And he wants to serve a lord. So maybe she'll be a, a knight in the game. Yeah. yeah. Or, or the bard Ooh. thing just gets her maybe into... serve Lord Rand of Mandragon. Yeah, but but what yeah. if the long game is to get her in position somewhere that she can make some assassination or, you know, take somebody out? Yeah, man, I got my head spinning. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the cheesy obvious one here. Uh, I still got to go with Tom. Yeah, he, even even though it was like a a letdown a little <laughs> bit and how it played out, like, uh, the fact that I almost died because he was in these chapters, I feel like I have to give him a <laughs> shout out. <laughs> so. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. So also we'll do the next chapters. We're doing three next week. 
So we're back on the three train. Um, so rather we will do three chapters. So I'm going to read the chapter titles and you guys tell me what you guys think about them. So the next chapter is The Shadow in the Night. And if you flip the next page, it's a Trolloc symbol for the, the icon. So a little teaser there a little bit. So thoughts about that chapter title, The Shadow in the Night. Uh, we about to dice it up again. <laughs> About to have some fun. I, you know, we just got to Kyrian. Kyrian? Whatever we're going to call the place. We just Kyrian, got to yeah. Kai place. Sea Town. Sea Town, even though it sounds like a K. I don't C-town. think we're going to see anything big go down. I think maybe we're just going to get a clear understanding of some purpose here. Um, I just, I don't foresee it happening. Okay. I don't feel like we can let that happen for another two or three chapters. Okay. And then the chapter for that is a new thread in the pattern with our wolf brother. Really? Yep. I like that. Beth, did you look at the icon? icon <laughs> I, I did, you yeah, know. I flipped to it. Yes. Yeah, so, so I just look at the icon too. So, yeah, it's, it's a wolf, wolf a icon. A little bit more information about so, how badass Perrin really is. Yeah, and and we're due to get back to uh, Perrin and then, them. We we haven't we haven't touched on them in a while, so that that'll be good to yeah. get back to them. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's time to get back to this that, that group. And then the last one is Sean Chan. Um, so that's how they that's how you pronounce it. Is it's Sean Chan? Um, and that's probably just completely foreign to yeah. it. Has a really really strange I can't icon. Even... Make that out at all? It looks like a hookah. At first, I thought it was like a samurai type helmet. Am, am I wrong in looking at that? But it has like kind of a face mask thing to it with yeah. eye holes. So I don't know. Sure, that's probably yeah. the best bet. Yeah. And maybe those are like they look like oct- it almost looks like an octopus. Though. Yeah, like what are those tentacle thingies? Yeah. yeah, it looks really weird. They're samurais yeah. that stay on boats. It's a nautical samurai. Okay, there you go. Uh, Sean Chan probably doesn't mean anything to you right now. It will next week. Um, yeah. but <laughs> Sean, S-E-A-N, and Ian, I-A-N, and John, J-O-N, they're all the same name. So this is a chapter about my my kin, my family. There you go. That's, uh, that's it. That's all about this, this that chapter's... That chapter's all about Ian. So you're saying uh, you are Sean Chan? I think I might regret uh, <laughs> in a couple of books, but yeah, write me down for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, sure. Uh, I'll put the best predictions. <laughs> Ian is Sean Chan. Uh, awesome. <laughs> I'm surprised chat's not going crazy right now. Um, so yeah, so good deal. Um, so those are our next three chapters. Guys will have fun reading those. Um, and we'll get into it next week. So I'll go ahead and sign off. So how we can be found. We do actually have a website now. So it's thewheelreads.com. Um, go check it out. Um, it, it, little, little, little spoiler from that. It just redirects you to thegreatblight.com, our personal page there. But it has our links, a little description, a little bit of a, a little teaser for us, uh, along with who we are, how we started the podcast, and then also just links to all of our social media and Discord, and Patreon, and merch, and all that good stuff. So, also, we can be found on social media 
at the wheel reads on Gmail or not Gmail, but the wheel reads at Gmail accounts or email address, but the wheel reads at on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, discord, feel free to come join us on discord. Um, we now have 280 something people in our discord server. So wow. we're almost at 300 people. Um, really close i think last time i checked it was 282 but i think we've had two people join today so and i didn't check today so I, that was a couple of days ago so we probably 290 anyway it's a great time we have great uh we have channels for first-time readers we have roles for first-time readers if you're a first-time reader follow along with us um as a companion podcast feel free to hop in talk about your thoughts we have channels uh, we'll block you from any spoilery stuff Everyone's really, really super cool about keeping spoilers away from people. Um, so um, feel like don't feel like you'll be spoiled if you get more immersed into that type of community. Obviously, we do have Patreon as well. Um, think about it. Um, if you guys have it, you get to hear us live um, with the Patreon every week. Um, if you do a higher level, you get early releases. Uh, higher than that, bonus episodes. Um, we also give away merch to even higher. Um, so you get you get free merch, or well, it's not free because you're paying for Patreon, but you, you'll get some merch um, if you're at the higher levels. Um, even at the highest level, we'll actually just give you a book. So um, uh, and whatever book you want from the series, so you can pick any book you want, and I'll give you. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll buy a hard cover copy of that book for you, ship it to you. We might even sign. Uh, actually, yeah, we will sign it for you too. So if you're at that level, we'll sign um, you know, sign from all of us copy uh, of whatever book you want from the Wheel of Time. Um, yeah, so um, that's about it for me, unless Tom. you guys got anything else. Tom. <laughs> Until next time. Tom. Tom. Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See you all next time.